Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Let's Go with Julio podcast. I'm a tech marketer turned leadership coach on a mission to educate, inspire, and empower you to unlock your best, most authentic self as a leader. If you're ready to confront the hard things getting in the way of your success in a way that's real and honest and loving, then you're in the right place because you can and you will. Let's go. Today's topic is about the voice in our head and the way that we talk to ourselves. And it's just very interesting how this insidious voice in our head can very quickly turn from a coach to a critic. I use the word insidious because that's what it is for me. It's amazing how I can go from really positive spirits to starting to criticize myself and starting to see the snowball effect of all of the negative energy that just builds. And this is particularly fresh for me because yesterday I had a little bit of an overwhelming moment. I'm officiating my cousin's wedding this weekend. Then I fly to Mexico and I'm going on this retreat. And then I come back and I have to prepare for a TED talk that I'm giving and a couple of conferences that I'll be speaking at and doing some workshops at. And the pressure is starting to pick up. You know, when you're in the moment and there's a lot going on, it's very easy to catch on to a thought and fall into this shame spiral, as Brene Brown calls it, the shame spiral, which is what happened to me this week. I felt that warm wash of inadequacy come over me. I could feel the voice in my head start to seep in and start to inject negative energy. I'm not going fast enough. I'm not replying fast enough. I got to do more. I got to be more efficient. I got to go, 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 go. It's funny how that works, right? You have one negative thought and then you cling to it and then it becomes this spiral. Literally everything that you're doing, whatever you're drinking, whatever your next task is, whatever, whatever clothes you're wearing, something makes you uncomfortable. You start getting irritated. And before you know it, every, you're looking at everything through the lens of negativity And I think the opportunity is in that moment to pause, to get still and to actually move into loving curiosity or compassionate curiosity, to get curious about, hmm, what's actually going on here? Why why am I attaching to this thought? Why am I feeling this way? And it's fascinating. When you start to cultivate the awareness here between your thoughts and your feelings and your decision to attached to those thoughts will in turn create a feeling and an emotion that lives in the body, it's really an aha moment. It really is. Because for me, the minute I start to roll into this shame spiral, I can feel my chest tense, my palms start to get sweaty, I start to tingle, I can feel the tightness in my neck, and there's this visual of me just berating myself, just being, just hitting myself while I'm on the ground. It's mentally abusive and very negative. You know, it's interesting because when I talk to my mom about it, she says she doesn't have that. She has the opposite. She has a coach who's encouraging her and loving her and pushing her. But for me, that's not the case. The voice in my head can really be harsh. I mean, my entire career, when I got the job at Apple, when I got the job at Google, when I got the job at Tumblr, when I got the job at Airbnb and Lyft, It was cool for a second, 
And then the moment, the next day, I was into critic mode, pushing myself because I thought that the way that I motivate myself is by verbally beating and abusing and belittling myself and pushing myself and poking fun at myself. And what I now recognize is in many ways, that's the way I learned how to love. Because growing up, I would witness my dad do that same thing to my mother. Get an effing job. You look fat. You should do this. How come you're not doing this? Divorce me if you dare. You know, he would just, he would jab and poke and he would do it to her, but then he would also do it to me. I just saw him the other day. And the first thing that he says that comes out of his mouth is, oh, you need a salad. You're looking fat today. It's like, okay, thank you. Like, where in your mind does being negative like that and throwing jabs open people's heart and create warmth, loving connection? Nowhere does that work. What I also realize is the extent to which other people speak that kind of language to others what it says to me is that's exactly how they talk to themselves. When I was at Lyft, I was in charge of writing and doing the marketing around our community guidelines. What were the guidelines that our community of riders and drivers needed to respect in order to stay on the platform? It turns out there were a few sort of bucketed themes. The first being always choose kindness. And I noticed myself sometimes not choosing kindness, particularly around the creative team, when COVID was hitting, you know, 50,000 people a day were dying. We had Black Lives Matter protests. We had all the hurricanes and fires. And so the nexus of all these things was creating a lot of turmoil at the company and people were not moving at the rate at which we needed to move to survive. I mean, frankly, look at Lyft's stock price and look at their struggle right now. It's because the writing was on the wall, which is why I left, which is the leadership team and the decision-making frameworks were not set up for success such that we can be nimble and make grounded values-driven decisions and go for it. We were, we, we were sitting in the swirl where we weren't actually moving. And I started to get frustrated at the teams because things that should have taken a month ended up taking 10 months. And I will never forget, someone came up to me and said, you know, it, there's an irony here that you wrote the line, always choose kindness, and yet you're not always choosing kindness amongst the team. And ooh, boy, immediately I could feel the temperature rise in my body and the tingling and sensation in my chest. And instead of reacting, I took a breath. I created some space between the comment and the feedback and my reaction. And I got curious about what part of that was true. And it was interesting. I did realize from that piece of feedback that despite me writing the copy for the community guidelines around always choosing kindness, I did in fact find myself struggling to choose kindness in that moment. And actually it said more about me internally than it said about the team who was not delivering what they were supposed to deliver. I don't always choose kindness. And the reason why is because I'm not always kind to myself because I have this voice in my head that thinks that in order for me to move forward in my life, I have to ridicule and critique and push and pressure what's not quote unquote perfect in my life. And that's just, that's just not true. I, I don't think that that's a winning strategy for anybody, for any of us to walk around our lives getting poked and prodded by this voice in our head. So when you're thinking 
harshly and you're criticizing and ridiculing yourself in hopes that you're going to deliver more results and get more done, you're actually creating negative sentiment and emotion and feeling in your body and your body is going to respond in kind to that. So you're not going to get the actions that you want. You won't get the results that you want. We have this weird relationship with self-love and self-compassion. Don't get too warm and fuzzy. Don't get too comfortable. At least for me, there's this feeling of, I can't be too nice to myself. I can't treat myself too much. I can't be too loving because if I'm too loving, I'm going to get lazy and I'm not going to be effective and, you know, it's not productive. But I would argue that without self-love, all other forms of love remain superficial because you cannot give to other people what you do not have for yourself. I think there's a way to still achieve and be successful in the world and do it in such a way that is kind and loving and generous to yourself. I just want to be clear, this isn't a light switch you turn on that, you know, you you go to a retreat or read a book or follow a podcast and all of a sudden this voice in your head is kind and compassionate and caring and loving to yourself. I think it's a daily journey and it's an everyday practice that we must all go through to get to a point where we can cultivate self-love and self-compassion. So yesterday, when I had this warm wash of inadequacy come over me, instead of numbing it or pushing it or fighting against it, I just welcomed it. I got still, I went into meditation, I slowed down, I moved a couple of meetings. I had to fully feel what was going on and allow it to run its course. And I will tell you that The more that you stop and allow all of the feelings to run its course, it actually moves through you. You can actually relax and lean away. And every time I do it, it gets a little bit better. It doesn't go away, but it gets a little bit, the time at which I can experience it, become dysregulated and come back to a regulated state, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. I literally this week finished Daring Greatly, the book by Brene Brown. I've read it. I've read it multiple times. I read it again this week. And the whole chapter on shame resilience, that's part of what I'm trying to do, what we're trying to do here is cultivate shame resilience such that when you feel the shame, when you feel the warm wash of inadequacy come over you, you're not supposed to douse it with silence and secrecy and judgment. I'm not supposed to go and crawl into a corner and be quiet about it. Old Julio, meaning you know, pre, call it spiritual awakening, getting fired so many times, being unsuccessful in relationships, numbing the hell out of difficult emotion. Under tremendous pressure, I would have just pushed through and pushed through and pushed through. And it would have sat with me for days, sometimes weeks. And then I would take it out on other people or I would abuse my body and disrespect myself by trying to numb such that I could avoid the difficult emotion. And this week I decided to sit with it. And then once I recognized what it was, I needed to share it with somebody who has earned the right to hear it. So I reached out to Ricky, my friend and producer of this podcast. I love you, girl. And I shared honestly and openly what I was going through. And just in the act of sharing with someone like her who can hold space for me in non-judgment, relieved a lot of that pain, (laughs) allowed me to let go of these thoughts in my head that were so crazy. And it's funny, actually, one of the thoughts I had in my head was, 
oh my gosh, Ricky and I have a weekly sync where we review the podcast, talk about our strategy, make tweaks and updates to the many streams of work that we're doing together. And it's a work in progress. And I'm trying to love myself through the process, but I've missed a few deadlines. And then the story in my head is up. Oh, Ricky's going to fire you. She doesn't want to work with you anymore because you'll be missing deadlines. This is the same shit you did at work. You say one thing and you do another. Oh no, that's it. It's done. And then if she leaves you, then what are you going to do? You don't know how to edit. You don't know how to upload. What you going to do? And I thought that is not productive and that is not helping me. And I'm going to Get curious about the thoughts, where they're coming from. Okay, yes, maybe I need to honor the guidelines and honor the deadlines, both for me and for the community and for the bigger mission here, but also out of respect for my creative partner. And I can do that without having all the negative energy, without beating myself mentally because I missed a deadline. How about I just articulate it to her and give her grace and apologize and use this as an opportunity to be vulnerable and honest and make our work stronger, i.e. take the energy of that and turn it into this episode because some of you are probably dealing with the same thing. So the first step is to stop and slow down and notice the thoughts. The voice in the head that is constantly critiquing and nudging and nagging at you, you didn't get enough sleep, you didn't get enough done, maybe you could have done that a little bit harder, you're looking a little fat in those pants, how much money are you gonna make this year, you don't have enough clients, what about that promotion? Which event you're going to go to? There's four of them that you said yes to and they're on the same date. What about that trip? Are you going to be able to go to that trip? Are you going to be able to do this? I don't know how many followers you have, how many likes you have. Notice that you are not that negative thought. You are not those series of negative thoughts. You are the awareness behind the thought. You are the one who notices that there are thoughts running through your head and you don't actually have to attach to the thought. That is the spiritual journey. That is an opportunity for awakening. There's actually another way to talk to yourself. Slow down and move into curiosity. Huh, interesting. Okay, welcome. There's a thought. I feel it. I see it. I notice it, but I'm not that. And choose, make a conscious decision not to attach to that thought. And little by little, the more you do it, the easier it will become. Before you might even have the awareness of attaching to the thought, you may even feel it in the body first. You can actually somatically bring awareness to your body changing, the chemistry in your body changing. I mean, that has been such a powerful, transformative level and layer of awareness for me. And that's your cue, that's your signal that it's time to do the work. You know, another thing that I do is I, I try and get curious about why the thought exists. Sometimes the thoughts are completely unproductive. Sometimes the thought actually is trying to tell me something. It's trying to send me a message like, hey, you have a TED Talk coming up. Maybe you should have at least a draft and maybe you should have at least a few people on your short list that you can present to and practice. Okay, I'll take that. I'll accept <laughs> that my TED Talk is coming and I need to practice because it's gonna be filmed and it's gonna be big and I think it's a huge opportunity for me to put my message and myself out there. I'll accept that. But what I will not accept is this constant recycling negative thought of you better get it done. Time is ticking, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. 
what's happening? You're going to be a failure. You're not going to do it well. Everyone else is going to do a better job than you. It's like, no, that is not actually effective because allowing that and accepting that feels abusive to me. It feels hurtful. It makes me feel down and disillusioned and disengaged by wanting to enjoy the experience of preparing and delivering a TED Talk. And so, yeah, there's work for me to do to create an outline and start practicing with people. Got the message. Thank you. I appreciate you. We move on. There's a moment where you have to step back and enter the seat of awareness. Spiritual teachers call it seat of awareness, seat of self, and recognize, okay, this incessant negative speak is not serving me, but what within this can I take? What lesson and nugget can I take? What is this here to teach me and show me? What can I take from that? And how do I use that in a loving, productive way to move it forward? That's where the self-love and self-compassion comes into place is being able to move from a place of fear and anger and critique to a place of love and kindness to receive the message and to use it to help move your life forward. And if you can start to build that muscle, what I know for sure is it will change the way you show up for yourself. It will change the amount of energy that you have, and it will undoubtedly make you a more successful person because you move through the world in a way that's loving and kind, starting with yourself. And once you are at a place where you can love yourself and be kind to yourself, you're not out there trying to critique other people. There's no room for negative energy and judgment when you feel whole, when you feel grounded, when you feel centered in love and compassion. One of the greatest common denominators amongst every high achieving leader is your inability to slow down and offer your own self some love and kindness and compassion. You're going, 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 constantly in motion, taking care of the family, taking care of your job, trying to hit your goals, and everybody else takes priority except for you. How many of you feel the energy of that? How many of you can relate to that? Every time I have a client talk about how to create a one-on-one for themselves, a daily check-in for themselves, it's the most painful activity when we open up the calendar to try to find time for ourselves. Why is it so difficult that you have a one-on-one with literally everybody else except for yourself? What is going on there? So consider, is there a world where you can try and experiment moving through your life in a way that's kind and generous and loving towards yourself? How can you cultivate a practice of coming back to your awareness, your seat of self, and recognize that you are not the negative thoughts running through your head, that you are the awareness behind your thoughts? How can you recognize that the thoughts that you choose to attach to create a feeling in your body and that feeling propels your actions and the actions create the results. The more love and kindness and generosity that you offer yourself, the more that you will have to give and extend to others. Pay attention, get curious, put your hand over your heart every now and then and offer yourself the love and the grace that you deserve because worthiness is your birthright. You have your breath, you breathe up and down, in and out thousands of times of day, and you just expected the next one to come. But the truth is, is there's no guarantee that the next one comes. So your job in this world is to recognize that you are worthy just being here 
And the way that you cultivate that worthiness is by learning to love yourself first and be kind to yourself first. One of the intentions of this podcast is to experience life as I grow my business, as I'm on the spiritual journey, as I'm doing the inner work, and to vulnerably and honestly get on the mic and share my experiences with the lessons and package it in a way that can benefit you because we're all on this journey together. I don't pretend to have all the answers. There's no five-point plan and 10-word formula and three days I'm going to change your life. I mean, this is hard work. It's a daily grind. It's a daily practice. And I'm committed to doing the work and growing into the best, highest, truest version of myself as a human being in hopes that you also are on that journey. We are going, that's what Let's Go With Julio is about. We're going on that journey together. So I'd love to hear your thoughts and know what you do in these cases, how you manage the voice in your head and how you handle not attaching to the negativity. Thank you for being here. Share this with a friend or two or three, your team. We'll see you soon. Let's go, baby. Let's go, baby.